When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking about the constant togetherness of families during this pandemic and the wide emotions that's felt during that. The idea of feeling like you have a short fuse, you don't have space, you might still feel isolated and lonely. How to navigate family, how to navigate relationships, how to nurture those relationships, how to not go nuts when you never have alone time. How do you parent during this time with complete togetherness? And so to have this conversation, I reached out to a longtime guest. Michelle has been, we figured out four different podcasts with me because she's just fantastic. So I have Michelle Kinnerick. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and mother of two young children. With over 13 years of providing children, adolescents, and adults with therapy, and through her own experience, Michelle has gained a specific passion for supporting New York City mothers and the experience of building their families. And she's really the perfect person to have this conversation. One of my favorite things Michelle says is the way she carved up some space to continue her therapy. She would hold sessions from her bathtub, (laughs) which I think is fantastic. I need to start doing that. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. She really gave me some things to think about and some tools I actually immediately used with my own kids. Before we get to that conversation, I want to announce I have two different donations I'm going to ask you to think about offering towards. The first is a scholarship fund for our teacher training for the VIPOC population. We really want to create a space for everyone to be able to take our training. So we're starting a scholarship fund. So there's a donation button for that if you choose to offer and give. That is on our teacher training page as well as a donation button for continuing the prenatal yoga center's programming during this pandemic. It's a lot. We were hoping to be back in the studio soon, and it doesn't look like that. Luckily, we have an amazing online community, but it's definitely not as robust as what it was when we're in the studio. So I'm just putting it out there. If it's within your means and this means something to you to have this podcast, please consider either of those donations. Also, I just want to remind you, we've got all our classes online. This morning's class was so fun. We had 13 people in our prenatal class, and we stayed after for at least 10 minutes and answered questions about epidurals and the peanut ball, and I gave some suggestions for books and, and the kind of the baggage we carry from our what our, our families, how they birth. So we really kind of dug into some fantastic conversations. And it's kind of amazing that even when we're not together in the studio having these face-to-face classes and conversations, they're still so rich and supportive. So I want to thank my Friday morning 10 a.m. class who showed up with amazing support for each other and questions. So these classes will continue to go forth well after we open the doors again. Now, I'm proud to say that our September-October teacher training is full. And we just got the the go-ahead from Yoga Alliance to continue our online training. So we are doing a November-December online training. I am so incredibly proud of this training. This is our prenatal yoga center, uh, 85-hour teacher training. Check it out. And then don't forget we've got our online courses, Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi and Teaching the Postnatal Student. Our online offers are growing, and I'm so proud of them. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy this conversation with Michelle. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Michelle. Oh, my gosh. I think this is our, is this our third podcast? You know, I keep coming to you with every question for a therapist. I'm like, oh, Michelle will answer this. <laughs> I think it might actually be our fourth podcast. It's I was possible. thinking about that this morning. <laughs> We have done a we have done a lot over the years. Together. We have, and actually, my very, very, very favorite is what we call child proofing your marriage. I refer to that all the time. So I will make sure the links to all our multiple chats together are at the bottom of this because you are a wealth of knowledge. So clearly, I know you and your work, but we tell our community, our audience, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I'm a therapist on the Upper West Side. I've been working for about 15 years on the Upper West Side in private practice since my son was born, which is 10 years ago, which I cannot believe. Um, I think that I've been working with your population, Deb, since my kids were about two and three years old, but now they're 10 and 11. Um, so I'm a mom on the Upper West Side and a therapist on the Upper West Side. And um, I love my work with moms and new moms specifically, I try to always help moms to identify the unique struggles inherent in motherhood, to understand them at the different stages, and to help them find compassion for themselves, empathy for their kids, and to see how the relationships with their kids really kind of come up against the same struggles that they find in other relationships. So help identify the patterns inside relationships that kind of um, interfere with the deep connections that they want to have with their kids. Oh, that's such important work. And as my kids get older, I definitely see some parallel um, of how I relate to them and and everyone else. Um, Exactly. So this is an interesting time. And the reason I called you up for yet another conversation is relationships are getting, my experience with my family, a little tough right now because we are together all the time. I mean, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I know things I are you. slightly changing, you know, there's a little more openness. Um, but you know, we're, we're still social distancing. Um, we did kind of open our pod to our next door neighbors so that our kids have at least one other person to play with, but we, the togetherness, um, I hear it's a struggle for many. So I thought yes. we could, jump into navigating those waters of constant togetherness. So I guess the first one is, how has this experience been for you and your family? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm shaking. If you could see me, you would see that I'm shaking my head. Yes. To everything you just said, <laughs> um, both because I hear from my patients, all of their struggles, but I also, and in the, this is the very first time, um, absence of absent nine 11, where, um, it was also the same experience, although that was a shorter experience, where my life is really um, parallel to the lives of the people I'm working with and where the things I'm navigating and trying to work through are so much of what the people that I'm working with in my practice are trying to navigate. And while everyone's sort of dealing with their own personal issues, there's still so much parallels. Um, In my life, personally, and I'm going to just talk about me for a second, um, I think the biggest struggle that I've had has been the journey, I I would call it like a journey to find my space, Um, find my space inside my house. In the very start of quarantine, I was literally sitting in my bathtub, taking (laughs) phone calls, um, FaceTiming with friends, and doing some even some uh, therapy sessions like from my bathroom while my husband was in my bedroom doing work and the kids were in their rooms at school and we have a puppy. So we were training him and he was in the living room. And so my space was my bathroom. Um, And I actually thought of it as like a metaphor for what women in particular moms are struggling with in this quarantine is finding space finding space to physically be, finding space to take care of themselves, finding space to get the things done that they need to get done, finding space to talk to friends, um, while also taking care of all of the other people in their lives. Um, Another thing I've been really thinking about and experiencing for my own self is that more than ever before, the buck really stops with me. all of my support systems, whether it's family or babysitters or um, 
other types of childcare providers are no longer a part of my, are no longer a factor in my life. And we're not able to get to them. They're not able to get to us. So whatever needs to get done, it's me. Um, and I rec and, and I feel like I have to just, you know, we're talking about quarantine, but I have to acknowledge that there's another thing happening in our society, which is, um, the understanding and the recognition of all the social injustices that have been a problem in our society. We are so, um, aware of them right now, which is wonderful. And it's really made me think particularly about my own privilege. And when I say that the buck stops here, I recognize that that's a privileged statement um, in that it hasn't always been that way for me. I've had the privilege of having support systems. So while I'm sort of struggling with that in my life, I'm also struggling with and reconciling that with the fact that that is a privilege that I've had and thinking a lot about people who have had different lives and the way race interplays with that. Um, so the quarantine has kind of, and the Black Lives Matter movement and what we've been watching politically and in the world and has really made me think a lot about these different aspects of my own personal life. Um, as a therapist, this has been a roller coaster for me, uh, where I've had a lot of different levels of energy for dealing with all the different feelings that people are kind of saying and, and sharing with me. I've always been able to hold other people's experiences during quarantine because they're so parallel to my own life. Um, it's been a lot harder to hold it, hold it all without being personally impacted. Um, so that's been something that I specifically have been kind of reconciling with as well. I really um, appreciate your open honesty about that, that thanks. Yeah. You know, that there are struggles. So, um, my husband's a social worker, so he does therapy. In fact, he had his little office is, um, luckily we have a very big and bright laundry room. So he sits in the laundry room and does his sessions. So you're in the bathroom, he's in the laundry room. Um, yeah. but I, I understand that I've thought like how therapists, hold the space for others to, you know, you're listening to some big things without it impacting you. I can imagine if you're hearing, I'm just kind of like re-traumatizing yourself every time you're listening to someone else's story, how that could be a challenge. So I do appreciate that you, that you did share that. Yeah, I will say thank you. And I will say that, um, one of the highlights for me of this time has been, been the humanizing factor that's happened for me where I am a person in the therapy space differently than I have been and more than I have been. And it's opened up a lot of relationship um, conversations that have been wonderful between me and my patients. And I've been so moved and touched by you know, the people who ask me how I am and really, really care, um, where they see me as a person experiencing difficulties and want to know more. And I had one woman who I've known for a long time, she's a mom, who actually said to me in the beginning of quarantine, maybe the first week, um, you know, I know that I'm not supposed to say this to you, or I know that you're not really going to do it, but if you need to talk, you can call me. Um, and it was just such a wonderful, beautiful moment. And so while it has been a struggle, there have been some really, really powerful bonding experiences um, that have been just really moving. I'm kind of getting moved right now thinking about it. So it's been a mixed bag, I would say. So let's shift a little to, you are still doing the therapy and I know this is a really big question and we can break yeah. it down to little mini questions within it, but as a therapist, what have you heard as the biggest struggles for, it's kind of a big question again, individuals, yeah. couples, families, and because everyone has their, I can imagine this constant togetherness. And then we'll also later talk about, you know, the loneliness, like right, right yeah. now, I, I have some friends that are not within a family and they're on their own. And there's moments I'm like, wouldn't that be amazing? And then I think, you know, but they could be really lonely. So that's a, we'll, we'll kind of break that down um, sure. as we go forward, but just kind of like hit, give me the big hitters as the biggest struggles. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, 
obvious, the, the most obvious one is keeping everyone safe, um, keeping your kids, yourselves, your broader family safe. Um, I think everyone's having a bit of loneliness, even on when people are on top of them and they're on top of others, um, because you're not necessarily able to connect in the same way with the people outside of your pod, you know, your immediate family, um, as, as you used to be, or as you were. I think that the biggest challenge is trying to let go of the normal and trying to embrace the the current um, and whatever that means, like balancing what you believe is right um, as a parent, what you have, your, your values that have always kind of led you as a parent with what your reality is currently. Um, I'll give you an example of that. You know, for in my own life, I've allowed my kids to have iCloud accounts and text with their friends and FaceTime with their friends. They have way more screen time than they ever had before. And I'm encouraging it in ways because it's their way to connect with their friend. But I had very strong beliefs around screen time and around when my kids would have ability to text and the freedom to communicate with their friends. And I'm going to tell you, I did not, that, that was not 10 and 11 years old where they were going to have full access. Um, and I've had to kind of adapt. I think parents with little kids are adapting also in different ways or trying to let go of some of the things that, you know, some of the things I've driven them as parents, they're having to let go of and having to rethink and reshape and kind of come up with different alternatives when they're working at home and have little kids who are running around and need their attention. Um, And parents of teens are struggling with pressure from their kids to see their friends. They have been struggling from day one. And as always, and maybe more even so, they're seeing extreme differences in parenting practices and trying to balance their beliefs and their beliefs for their families with the beliefs of their kids' friends' parents mm-hmm. and their friends, um, you know, their their friends' parents and their, the way their friends are parenting. So I think that it's like accepting the reality of the current situation as the current situation unroll, uh, keeps rolling and changing and trying to balance that with their actual beliefs and the way they want to be parenting. Because I don't think any of us are truly parenting the way we want to be parenting in regular life, but we are trying to figure out how to parent in this scenario. I love what you said. And and I'm going to relate. Yeah, we are definitely struggling with, and I have a lot of guilt about that, about not parenting how I want and really the worst qualities of my of my personality yes, are coming yes. out as a parent. Like we my my husband and I just had a conversation. We're like, are we really like permanently damaging them? Like like yeah. I'm usually a pretty calm person, but I and you may hear this from your 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 clients, but my fuse has gotten so short that I'll be yeah. calm, calm, calm. And then it's a bit of rage and, yeah, and yeah. yelling far more than I ever have. And I know I'm not the only one cause I can actually hear our other neighbors, um, which gives me a little bit of validation, but, <laughs> but then like yeah. you said, there's also different families are going to have different values. And as I mentioned, like we've really been quite social distancing, but then we have other families in the neighborhood or not. And then my kid's like, well, they're all out playing. Why can't we be with, you know, 10 or 15 other kids? Exactly. And yeah. it's, it becomes a conversation about family values. And then it, 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 they might, they start to feel a little left out. And then these are for older kids. And some of our community may not have that. They may have the other struggle. Like you said, that some of their values have to be shifted. If you have little kids, Maybe you wanted to not have a ton of screen time, but if you're working, there's not a lot of options. So I'm guessing, I feel like boundaries are getting very blurred. So do you have other suggestions for how to parent? And I'm going to put that in quotes as best you can during these circumstances. Cause you mentioned, like, I think many of us don't feel like we're doing a great job. Yeah. It seems to be easier on ourselves. (laughs) Well, yes. Thank you. Um, I feel like, so what you said, and I'm going to kind of normalize it a little bit. And what I have been saying 
every client that I work with and anyone else who wants to hear it. So I might as well share it with your audience. <laughs> um, you know, we are in survival. And when we're in survival, like psychologically, when we're in survival, we use our most primitive defense mechanisms. So the things that are our triggers become extreme triggers. And the way we cope with those triggers aren't always our most mature defense strategies. So that often does not look like your best self. So as you just said, Deb, like exactly what you just said, that you're trying really hard and you're keeping it together as best you can and you're using the strategies that have worked for you, but they're not always going to work at this time and they're not always the most adaptive and mature strategies. So, you know, you're, you might be having a shorter fuse and, and kind of resorting to, and, and experiencing anger. Other people might be experiencing extreme sadness. Um, and so they're, what they might be doing is crying a lot. Um, and I'm hearing about all of those things from both anger, yelling, sadness, tears, anxiety, obsessive thinking, all those different kind of strategies and those different reactions from from multiple people all the time. And so you're not alone in what you just said. And I, I, I think that we all as moms have to, and I don't know if this is going to be helpful or it's going to sound cliche, but I'm going to say it like we have to be kind to ourselves and have compassion for ourselves and take, and you know, my metaphor of the bathtub, finding my space, it's like, find your space. And it's so hard to do when you're living on top of people but it's whatever it looks like for you, whether it's taking a walk, um, whether it is taking a bath, whether it's locking yourself in your bathroom, whether it's putting on face masks. I mean, I have people keep commenting to me because my nails are polished every single day. I have been, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I can't really understand it, but it makes me feel better to have polished nails. So I've been manicuring my nails once a week as if it's part of my routine, because it is a space that it's a time where I sit by myself and do my nails and it makes me feel better. Um, so finding whatever it is that can make you feel better, um, because we all need to be taking good care of ourselves. Um, you know, if it's baking, if it's uh, watching TV, if it's, um, you know, self-care in the form of like face masks and manicures, whether it's talking to your mom on the phone, um, whether it's saying like, I'm sorry, kid, right now I need some time on my own and, you know, putting them in front of the TV or in front of the iPad to get that little break, it's going to do a load of good in regards to your relationships with them and your ability to, to, you know, not cry or not yell and also recognize that you will cry and you will yell. And I mean, and I think that, um, repair is, you know, for me, the thing that always makes me feel, it's like my safety net is that I can repair whatever damage I have done. And by, going to my child and saying, that didn't feel good for me. That didn't feel, I think that didn't feel good for you. And let's kind of talk it through and let's hug it out and kind of see where we can go and be better next time. I'm so glad you said that because I really, I do feel guilty after I yell at them and sure. I need to be more. And I'm so glad that you, you did go that route because I think many of us feel like, are we causing you know, full on damage. So acknowledging yeah. because we can't like, I think a lot of us just put this pressure on ourselves to, you know, hold together and be the best parent we can. But under these circumstances, it's such strain. It really, it's really hard for so many. And I can imagine with a brand new baby, which is what a lot of my community has without that, that help of family around that could also feel like yes. a, a heavy drain. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, here's a pretty big question. How can people not let disagreements escalate to when we're constantly together? We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay we are back all right, so when our our fuse is short and we have constant togetherness, we're kind of on top of each other, how do we not let disagreements escalate? Well, first of all, I think it's sort of what I was just saying before is they will. Um, and so have the understanding for yourself and the compassion for yourself that you're not going to do this perfectly. This is not regular times. Um, As one person said to me, this is everyone's first global pandemic. Um, You know, we are all in this, like we are all kind of winging it. Um, So it's not going to be perfect. When they escalate, you know, take a minute, give yourself a breath, take take some breaths, give yourself, um, you know, a pause and there are things you can do, but after the fact, make sure you kind of are kind to yourself about the fact that that didn't go as well as you wanted it to. Um, I think that my best advice is really to try to listen to each other's perspectives and to recognize that we're, everybody is, you know, in survival together and not at their best. So, their perspective might be more rigid. It might be more, you know, whatever the things are that are that person, you you know, your family members, um, most primitive defenses, that's where you're up against. So you're at your most primitive, they're at their most primitive. So, you know, from, I'll, I'll just use my own family as an example. My daughter can get rigid. She is her most rigid right now. So I have to kind of talk to a rigid child in a different way than I would talk to her at her best self. Um, and, help her to understand what's going on for her, but also go at it in a different way. Um, listening to her perspective does me and her world of good where I hear her and I can try to put myself in her shoes and understand why something is so important to her, even if it's not so important to me, and then work from there. So it's listening to each other, having some empathy, and kind of recognizing that your partner, your child, yourself, your mother, your friend, we're all at the going at this from a little bit of a different space than we would have been and that we usually are. And it's, you know, having some understanding of, of that and trying to talk to that person instead of talking to the person that we've always been talking to. That's that really make sense? That Absolutely. Okay. That really does. Because we in my house have definitely been dealing with some behavior issues. My son's always been a little anxious and very easily stressed, but it has gotten to a new level. And when I've talked to some of my friends and, and his teachers, they said that's not uncommon, um, which also, again, I felt slightly validated. Yeah. So hearing, yes. hearing that, that recognizing I need to be a little more flexible as well as recognize his stress is going to be really on the forefront and then trying to approach it with that understanding, I think will, will help us. But what about parents where they're younger kids and they're not able to, like they haven't figured out what's going on. Like think like little, little kids, like I'm thinking like my kids are six and eight. So I have, you know, we, we have communication, but can imagine like a toddler, they're, they're kind of stuck inside. They don't have quite the, the circle of people around and they may not be able to articulate or the parent may not understand. How do you handle, how does someone handle a kid, like a baby I'm assuming doesn't really know what's going on, but like once they're, once they're mobile and cognitive, they do to some extent. Yeah, I, yeah, sure. And, and they're also, um, you know, 
very pent up. Um, so I, I guess for toddlers, my, you know, if I'm going to offer some advice would be to try to understand their sensory needs, Mm. um, and try to fulfill their sensory needs. Um, whether it's, you know, if they, their sensory needs are in the form of movement, um, schedule into your day, some times where they can move around dance parties, um, playing tag, maybe catching a ball, even though it's a small space, um, getting outside as much as you can to allow them some space to run around. If, if their sensory needs are more, um, with their hands doing crafts, um, Play-Doh, sand, um, all the stuff that you don't necessarily allow in your house, even glitter, um, you know, making some allowances for that. Um, Some kids, it's snuggles, like they just need to be held. So reading books together, lying on the couch, watching shows together, giving them some snuggles um, and some lovies to, to snuggle with. So it's like looking for the things that maybe would make them feel comfortable and get some of their sensory needs stimulated. That makes um, a lot of sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I totally appreciate what you said, Deb, that, you know, I have, and, and I always recognize that, you know, I'm a psychologist and a mom and being a psychologist gives me sort of more insight into what's going on with my kids. Although I have to say that being a mother is the most humbling experience of my life um, because I, I'm constantly making mistakes and missing the boat and doing, seeing them in different ways and letting my own, um, you know, my own stuff get in the way of my parenting. Um, But I, I do recognize that I have an advantage here in that, you know, with my background and also the age of my kids where I remember being a new, a new mom and having little kids and toddlers and being like playing detective all day long. You know, who is this child? What's getting to them? And how can I help them the most? And I feel like putting on that detective hat and sort of seeing the times of day where they're struggling the most, the time, the, the way the day is structured, what's working, what's not working, and kind of trying to tailor the day a little bit more so that things work more. And, um, you know, maybe creating more structure, um, adding certain activities into the day that seem to be calming or seem to be, you know, meeting those sensory needs. It's really hard because they don't speak and they can't say, hey, mom, this is what I'm feeling. Um, but, you know, my bigger kids don't really do that either. Uh, <laughs> but I know that I remember being a mom of the little kids and really, really feeling like a detective and trying to figure them out. So I appreciate that. And I think that it is a challenge. It really is. So let's talk. So we've talked about kind of the constant togetherness. Let's shift Mm -hmm. a little bit to the other side of, of loneliness. I can imagine some people, and as you, I really like that you said, you know, you can still be lonely. And I realize I, I have that sometimes like I miss I miss my friends. And even though we're texting and I try to get some yeah. calls in, I do miss just being like, Hey, let's just, I'm going to take a little break. Let's meet for coffee. So there's that loneliness, but then somebody may not be within a family. So what, how do you, how do, what advice would you give to someone that does have that sense of isolation? Then I have another question about the isolation after <laughs> I have several isolation questions. So I guess we can talk about the first one, just handling the yeah. loneliness. Yeah, I think the loneliness is, um, it's such a predominant emotion that I have been hearing um, across the board from people who are with other people in the house and also, and maybe more so from the people who are alone. And I think that for all of the people who are alone, it's really important to um, be more flexible. Um, be more flexible in your own self. Um, for new moms, you know, new moms can, out of anxiety, can get fairly rigid um, in terms of, and the best of circumstances in regards to taking their kids out or letting other people in. And in this quarantine where you're being told to stay home, um, you know, it's it's like, they those, it's really triggering all of that, those experiences that new moms have anyway. Um, so my best advice for them is like, try to be a little less rigid about this, you know, open up your pod a little bit, let people in if you can, 
only if you feel safe and if you know they've been safe. And look for the people who have sort of been doing this quarantine in the same way you have been and try to kind of meet up. And that might look like meeting up outside. That might look like having picnics in the park um, or visiting a parent or a sibling or a friend and sitting on the driveway. Um, But try to find ways to be safe, socially distant, and also be together. scheduling FaceTime calls, FaceTime coffee. I mean, I have been once a week having FaceTime coffee with my very close friend. I think that's really important. Um, You know, obviously it's not the same, but again, we're letting go of the same and we're letting go of the normal and trying to adapt and find ways that we can find um, camaraderie. Um, So, you know, if it's online support groups, um, picnics in the park, visits from family, walks in the park, walks outside, even just to see other people and to smile at other people under under your mask, it will make you feel better. Um, but yes, it is very hard. Also, new parents, new moms in particular, really try to go it alone. They really feel like um, all of that, the experiences of insecurity of I'm not good enough, I'm not doing this well, I can't take care of my baby, sort of make new moms um, keep their struggles to themselves. Right now, as much if not more than all the other times, it's so crucial to open up and talk and say, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm thinking, and find the normalcy in it um, or find the support from their friends, from their family, from other people who have lived this and are living it to... to um, hear from each other and take care of each other and to know that you are not alone. You're actually not alone. You might physically be alone, but there's, you know, there's a whole village out there of people who have lived it and done it and are doing it and are living it who want to connect and find those people. I will say, however that may look like our new mom support groups have always been really a strong part of our community, but they are really thriving. Like people are craving to connect. And I see that. And some of the themes I know that's come up in the new mom support groups is they are, you know, obviously they're new parents, but their partner may be working from home and they, they feel even more isolated that they're just Mm -hmm. with this baby and they're trying to figure that out. So yeah, I definitely see people craving the connection. I just want to say something about the partner working from home. Um, And also if you're working from home, but I'm going to start with the partner working from home, um, is very confusing. Um, it's very confusing because they're physically accessible, but they're emotionally not accessible. And I think that that is something that people are really struggling with, whether they have a new baby or a toddler or a middle schooler, um, they're really struggling with the fact that their partner is like at arm's length away and yet they're so distant um, when they're working and finding ways to talk about that and change expectations and talk about reasonable expectations inside the partnership is so important. And I, so if, and as a working mom, that's a conversation I've had to have with my kids. Like, what does that feel like for you when I am physically present, but emotionally not present? Because that's not something that we struggle with on a day-to-day in our regular lives. Um, we all play different roles and wear different hats. And a lot of times we wear those hats physically separate um, from our families. But right Right now, our mother role, our our um, work role, our spouse role, our partner role, they're all our mother, our daughter role, our sister role, our friend role. They're all merging. The boundaries, as you said before, the boundaries are so blurry, and we have to recognize that that is part of the problem here and part of the thing that we're dealing with and really address it inside our families and inside ourselves. I'm so moved by what you said, because I literally had that conversation and, and little epiphany today that my son's birthday is coming up. So he just got a brand new bike and he's so excited. It's a new gear bike. It's a big deal for him. And he wanted to go for a bike ride with me because I actually love outdoor cycling And we went on a ride, but I said, you know, I can't be that long. I do have to work. And he just is like, but you're always working. Why are you always working? And for a moment I was able, and I've been hearing this for months, but 
there was a moment there I did step back. I'm like, in his eyes, that's what he sees. I mean, I always was working. I love what I do. Yes. I love my business. And, but he didn't really see it because he was at school or camp or exactly. karate or blah, blah, all that. Because he had his own space. Right. And and it really, it just, and even as I talk about it, it kind of like hits me in the heart. That's what he sees. And I said, you know, we are always working like both my husband and I work and we're not one. And then we have a lot of families around us that the mother doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. and I feel, and then talk about, you know, let's add some more, like let's, there's some guilt there. Like <laughs> have the guilt of like, I am always working. And in the past I could show them like, I love what I do and it's so good for our family. But now he sees it as taking away, like it's taking away from their time. And it, it's, yeah. I find it really hard. So I did have that moment of like, you know, I'm so sorry that I am always working and I do try to find time with them. And, and before when they had school, I worked pretty much up until I picked them up and then I gave them, you know, my time and then I picked up work, but there's, I think that it's blurry. Yeah. I think, first of all, you're not always working, right? Um, (laughs) It's like I'm always working. (laughs) Well, but you're not. And I think that you have to sort of break through with the nevers and always, um, because those are not factual statements and it's well, important. I, I was going to say, I up. do actually, I'd say good 75% of my day because of the studio, I've actually taken on most of it. So they do see me oh, 75% yeah. of the day I am working. Right. So, so, but then there's still a 25% of the yes. day where you can be with them. Yes. And I would say, um, so, so, you know, differentiating that, like, yes, I am working a lot, validating that. And also I am trying very hard to be with you. And here's all the fun things that we've done so that you're kind of talking about both things. You're validating it and also saying, well, the reality is that there's two ways, there's two realities. Um, and also, um, you know, scheduling touch points with your children, with, you know, for you, with me, for me, I've been doing this where I schedule touch points in my day, um, where I am making sure that I am in the kitchen when they're in the kitchen. Um, not all the time, but, you know, at noon every day from quarantine, it's the start of quarantine at 12 p.m., we have met as a family to spend at least 15 minutes eating lunch. Um, and that's been really important in our, in our day. Um, we, I, I have made a point to schedule touch points with my kids, each of them, even if it's for five minutes, even if it's for just a hug to just say, hi, and I'm here and I see you and I recognize you and we're going to just like be together for the, the second. Um, and also point out, I've, I've also done a lot of pointing out to my kids um, what their space is and how they too are in, they're accessible physically to me, but not emotionally at all times um, because they're with their friends on FaceTime or they're uh, watching a TV show or they're in a math class or they're, you know, taking a shower or whatever it is, practicing their guitar. Like those are times where I don't bother them. They don't bother me at the times that I'm doing my thing. And we meet together at the times that are our, that are our our times Mm -hmm. Um, and scheduling those and being really um, intentional about those times. That's really helpful. And you actually answered my question about nurturing relationships because giving time and and I do appreciate you remind me I'm not always working that I do give yeah. them time. Um, it feels yeah. like I am. Um, but to remind me to be even more intentional. I like that yes. more intentional about the time. Um, like my daughter the other day, she wanted me to sit and play Legos with her mm-hmm. and I was exhausted, but I thought I need to do this for her. She needs yes. to have me with physically with her phone was not with me. Like I really had to yeah. physically be present. And I think a lot of us have to intentionally do that. I do have another question about how much we should be sharing with little kids about what's going on. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Let's talk about, because my daughter calls it the sickness. (laughs) When the sickness is over, I will be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're back. So how much do we share and not freak them out? I think this may be the hardest of the questions. Um, this is a very, it's a, it's a personal question. I think it's um, important for you to understand your kid and what they can metabolize. Um, it's, if you're living in New York City, you know, I have said a number of occasions that it really it feels like the front lines of a war zone um, has at different times felt that way. And there's not an avoidance of your kids seeing and understanding what's happening. Um, recognizing that their lives have been so drastically altered by this event, um, by the fact that they're not in school, even as young as two years old, um, you know, not in school, they're not seeing their friends, they're not seeing grandma and grandpa, they're not seeing aunts and uncles and cousins in the same way that they were used to. And they are seeing their parents in very different ways than they are used to. So as much as your child can metabolize, that's as much as you should be talking about it because they are trying to put these pieces together and you can't avoid it. You just can't ignore it, but you do have to do it based on the level of your particular child. Um, and you know that more than anybody else, but don't try to avoid it, um, you know, because it's unavoidable and they're seeing a lot and they are making, um, you know, making assumptions in their head and trying to put the pieces together. So give them the facts um, as much as they can understand. Yeah, I realized I had to, I always listen to NPR in the morning um, and I realized I had to stop doing that because it was actually freaking my son out. He was like, coronavirus, coronavirus, everything. And then something, a totally different perspective. So my my youngest has this doll that she's had forever and she's like, it's called Guy because we're like, where's that guy? And then now, now he has the name Guy. So she said, look at Guy's hat. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. She goes, and it can also be his mask. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, that's yep. your reality. It just yeah. was really interesting how that just, you know, eased into yeah. that's her reality. It's yeah. it actually kind of stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, I, I think that, yeah, this is their current reality. Their past reality was still, is still with them and their future reality will still be with them when they, when we get there. So all of these things will integrate for them and they are much more resilient than we are. And we have to remember that this will have an impact on them. We don't quite know yet what that impact will be, but we can't make negative predictions into the future um, and say it's going to be traumatic or it's going to be a problem. Um, it's going to be a life event that stays with them and that they hold on to and that they grow from. But we don't know exactly what that will be, and it isn't necessarily negative. Um, so it's kind of letting that unravel as it is and having conversations with them, trying to make them, you know, make sure they're not scared, make sure they're making good decisions, that they're understanding that their behavior impacts other people. It's a great time to explain that to them and help them understand that their behavior, such as wearing a mask, impacts the health and safety of other people outside. Um, That's something they can understand. Um, And just in your own self, try to remember that kids are way more resilient than we are. They're way less rigid, even though sometimes they are rigid, they're way less rigid in their... um, integration of new material than we are as adults and try to tamper down the negative predictions that you might be making based on your own anxiety. That is such great, great information, great advice. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to add or I should have asked? Yeah. Well, I want to just add in terms of like nurturing relationships, um, when you just said that before, I was thinking about my own family and I was thinking about sharing this because I think this is really, could be very helpful to other people. One of the most beautiful surprises for me has been that 
um, the way my family has become interested in each other because they are seeing, as I said before, they're seeing all the different hats. We are all seeing all the different hats that each of us wears and becoming much more interested and taking the time to ask each other about about their about our days. My 10-year-old son will ask me at the end of my day, how was your day? What did you learn? Like, you know, he'll ask me about particular things that I've told him about, follow up with them. He'll follow up. My daughter will follow up with my husband about some of the things he's working on. And I think in terms of nurturing a relationship, curiosity and interest in each other goes a really long way in building bonds. And I have been so moved by the curiosity and interest that I've been experiencing in my own house. And I've been making very big efforts to be curious and interested in all of the people in my family. And um, I think that that's something that could really help to, you know, help with perspective taking, help with the empathy and compassion for each other and help to kind of calm each other's nerves. So lead by example, you know, try to ask your kids about their, about the toys that they're playing with or the games that they're doing, the, the games they're interacting with, their friends that they're talking to on FaceTime, their math class and their English lesson if they're still in school and, you know, and talk about yourself in a way that, um, you don't always do and see if where, where you can go with that in building relationships. That is great advice. I'm going to try that tonight. I, I, I realize that things have gotten a lot smaller. We've always at dinner, I'd be like, tell me about your day. But now I'm like, I know all about your day, but I can try. <laughs> Our conversations well, have got a little smaller, but yes, I can try. Yeah, to but use deeper. that knowledge, you know, use that knowledge and follow up. Like, so how was that? thing that you did and um what did you like about that activity because you do you know way more and the boundaries are way blurred but in that way but there's something that you can gain from those blurred boundaries um as opposed to it only being a loss that is great where can people find your work um well they can find me sitting in my bathtub um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I have a website. Um, it's uh, mycmomsupport.com. People can go to that website and find my phone number and my email address. Um, I am accepting some new clients. Um, I will take a little bit of a summer break, um, but I'm still taking on new people. In the fall, I'm hoping to be back in my office at least a little bit, uh, but I'm still working out those details. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think those are the best ways. That's the best way to find me is by going to my website. I'll make sure to have that in the show notes. Oh, Michelle, once again, a fantastic opportunity to chat with you. I just love picking at your brain. You're, you're so insightful and compassionate. I really appreciate your time okay. and everything you offer. And you, I, you know, you said before that you want to be more intentional. You are such a thoughtful and intentional parent, which is why you come up with such interesting questions and um, why the two of us can have these talks and people can learn from them. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.